Blog Talk Radio. Wad Radio, and this is Patty Holstrand, and we are on live. I know, I don't usually do this late at night. I usually uh writing or doing all sorts of other things at 10 o'clock at night, but we wanted to get started and, and really talk about uh, CopperCon Revolutions and get some people going to find out more about what's going on at this con. It's going to be in, in about a week from now. We're excited about it, and we want to share it with others. Just to remind you, uh, there's a chat area down below the, the show information. Just scroll down a little bit. And if you have questions or comments anytime during the show, uh, type it in there, and I'll share it with Michael Fett. Also, I just put up the Facebook group page for the CopperCon Revolutions, and I will also be adding some other pages from his uh, convention as we talk about it. So, we, for no further ado, I believe that he's on the line, so let's go ahead and say hi to him. Hi, Andre. Michael. Hi, Patty. Hi, hi. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Yourself? Well, it, it's, I don't know, it's, it's kind of a weird night. Lots of people out, you know? It's so hot during the day that people, you know, start coming out of their, their apartments and stuff at 7.30 at night, and they just keep on moving around. <laughs> that happens. We, you know, we we just uh, heighten the the heat, and then uh, then we're up so late, you know, trying to make up for for not being able to get out in the heat. But yeah, it is what it is. We're in Arizona. And we love it most of the time. <laughs> yeah, now, you're I from. Used I used to live beside uh, Minneapolis here for quite a while. We got the like extreme extreme cold winters and everything. I'm the complete opposite of uh, Arizona. Yeah, I see and how that is. <laughs> I always to tell people that, you know, you know, you're going to places, you know, as long as you're going inside, get in and out of your car, it doesn't really, you know, I, I don't see it too big of a big deal if you're, you know, if you're inside doing activities inside at places. Yeah, that's true. But right, right, right this time I'm doing a lot of delivery, so it's it's in and out and, and having a deal. With the uh, moving around, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's just seeing you know, people just uh, making a lot more noise outside, and uh, and that's okay. They, they they're just out later, and this is Wednesday. Usually Thursday night they get that way. Now tomorrow night is Thursday night, and we oh. are. You have something special coming here. And in the form of a movie viewing, you've done this before, so let's talk about that first. You did the Wrath of Khan back earlier this year. How did that turn out? 
and uh, it oh. was obviously well received, right? Oh, that turned out pretty well. Uh, we got uh, a lot of different groups inside there. Uh, we had members from the United Federation of Phoenix, a local Star Trek club there, uh, a few people from the Doctor Who club, uh, TARDIS, as well as you had younger clubs there, like uh, the uh, Nerds and some other Star Trek groups. Uh, you know, We had uh, roughly about uh, 90 people in that place. Uh, it went pretty well. The crowd really liked it. Uh, they asked if we were going to do another one at that, t- at that time. They were extremely and so that's tomorrow. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sure. Same place, right? Same bat channel. But uh, we were show- showing <laughs> that you're going to show uh, different movies. You're showing a, a doubleheader. Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely, it's a doubleheader. I try to ask myself, like last, like last time we did a doubleheader with uh, Wrath of Khan, we showed uh, Space Seed with it at the theaters. Uh, this time, uh, we're showing at the same theater, uh, same uh, uh, same screen. It's a 400 theater with uh, a little bit different this time than last time. Uh, uh, the uh, Polo Tempe uh, Cinemas just installed a Christie digital cinema projector so you can mm-hmm. connect the... Uh, Blu-ray players uh, directly to that, and it, you know it's going to be the best the films have. Best, it's going to be the best I've ever seen the films look inside my entire life of seeing them. You know, in and out, in and out of I've seen the seen it in the theater probably about three times, including uh, one time with uh, Roger Ebert uh, when I lived in Illinois. There and oh, you, know, okay. you just can't, uh, you just can't. Uh, Really, to me, you just can't be the beat the experience of seeing two thousand one on the on the big screen. big screen. Yeah, and that's what I was you know telling people, and I said in the paper is that, um, you know, I was too young to see it on the big screen when it came out the first time. So uh, this is a chance to see it up on the big screen, and yeah, you, know, you get many of those chances. And the other movie is was you. Used to be done it well. Originally, it was done in black and white, but you said it would be yeah, it had been colorized, Fred. Oh uh, yes, uh, I think roughly around 2008, uh, the owners of, who owned the rights to the uh, film itself uh, spent uh, uh, quite a large uh, sum of money uh, having it remastered, uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space, and colorized at the same time. You know, usually I'm not a very big fan of uh, colorizing films. Right. Uh, I keep thinking back of the terrible images of uh, from uh, TNT when they colorized every film so they could show it on their TV and not uh, lose people watching the TV. So it's all like bad versions of King Kong colored. Uh, oh, yeah, that, yeah. But uh, film, they did a re- Turn, Turner really Classic kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, where where they just colorized, you know, like the clothes, but, you know, you still had a really weird-looking face to go with it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but hey, they, they're doing a lot better things now, and they're they're uh, they can do more things. They, the more technology that they that they get, uh, they're able to utilize for the preservation of these old classics that are out, that are out there. Well, in the case yes. of uh, two thousand or uh, Plan Nine, it uh, adds, uh, in, in my opinion, it makes the film even cheesier and funnier when you see the color added with it. It just adds an extra experience <laughs> that I can't. So it should be fun. It should be fun. Now, tickets yeah. are still available. 
and uh, as far as you know, right? Uh, yes, uh, tickets are going to be still available. The uh, the uh, website, uh, or not the website, the being able to purchase them online is going to go off uh, probably tomorrow morning, but mm-hmm. they'll still be available to purchase at the uh, uh, Pulled Company Cinemas for uh, $10 a ticket to the general public. If you have a uh, membership to the uh, con, that means anybody with a pass-through, anyone who's going to be a participant, uh, dealer, uh committee, general membership, you know, they can get in for five, uh, $5 for the screen. Oh, cool. So, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty good to yeah. see two films at that price. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely a good price. I mean, $10 is a good price. Uh, and, you know, if you've already purchased your membership or, or support the con in some way, which is, which is you know, what it's all about, supporting the con in some way, uh, then you get a little perk there, you know. Five dollars off, so there we go. It's a good reason to get involved next time, people. <laughs> so we're talking about the movie, and we're excited about tomorrow night. And that starts at what time again? Uh, it's going to the first uh, film of 2001 is going to be the opening thing on. It's going to start at around seven. We're going to do our opening talks promoting the con, and it's probably going to start probably around I'm guessing about seven ten. Mm-hmm. 2001 ends, they're going to take about a 15-minute break in between the uh, two films, and then they're going to start uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting way to do that. You thought, well, everybody wants to see the uh, 2001, and so those who really want to stay can stay for the you know Plan 9 from Outer Space. Is that why you did it that way? Well, I, I just know the, you know, from my experience, uh, I look at uh, Plan 9 the uh, same way I look at uh, one of my other favorite films I actually like seeing in the theater, uh, ah, okay. Rocky Rocky Horror Picture Show. You know, ah, so it's later at night. night. Yeah. Yeah, it's later at night, and quite often they're not. Those two films are not for everybody. It, it's really for a, a, special, a special audience that really uh-huh. goes into those films. And I, yeah, the. Yeah, the, the nerds and the geeks and the uh, the general pulp, you know, pop culture uh, fans like to go to these kind of movies. So those, you know, that's that's who you're going to get. And of course, I think that 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 audience is really growing. And I think that the younger uh, people are really getting involved with the pop culture. They just may not know that they that is their name to it. Do you find that to be the case? Sorry, what was the question there again? The question is, the pop culture is really growing, especially in the younger adults. I I think with the younger adults, I mean, I look at it uh, this way. Uh, when I was watching, getting into films and that kind of stuff, it just became, the Internet just became, became available on a mm-hmm. wide mm-hmm. scale, and so I'm able to look up everything. And I'm yeah, able to, yeah. And at that time, I'm able to, research stuff and grab stuff, but, you know, I didn't have everything at my fingertips. Today, I mean, uh, the kids growing up, they've got everything at their fingertips. I mean, almost any movie that you can think of, you can find online somewhere in some form if you're interested in watching. Even TV shows that only last seven episodes or so from the 60s. They're able to find if they want to. I mean, it's just the vast knowledge they have is impressive. Yeah, definitely true. Yeah. 
I manifest I was uh, looking up some time travel stuff, and I remember this old small nine millimeter um, film called The Wizard of Time and Space. Oh no! Oh, sorry, Speed and Time. The Wizard of Speed and Time, and it was a great little, uh, 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 you know, movie about this this wizard who uh, runs <laughs> races through the uh, over the world, and and uh, and he does he falls into his uh, garage, I speak, and and in the films, and of course he's he's got this really great animation, and it's all stop animation that he's doing. And it's uh you know, that's a that's a dying art. It's an awesome art. And uh and I remembered that film. We we watched it front you know, going forward and we watched it going backward. It was even better backwards. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's and I remembered it and thinking, Wow, I wonder if it's on YouTube, you know? because um, I haven't seen it since, you know, the early days of I mean, I've been going to concert about twenty two years. And that's one of the first things experience I had is is going to these little little films in a dark room, <laughs> one of the hotel rooms to watch these little obscure you know uh, handmade movies. And uh, sure enough, it's on it's on YouTube. And not only do they have it on YouTube, but they have the making of it. And you know, there, there's like a movie around how he made the movie. <laughs> So, you know, you didn't know that, and it's just wonderful to, to, to be able to see the, you know, it, actually they wound up putting it in chunks on YouTube, so that way, obviously, you can get more people to watch it. But it's, you can find almost anything you want now. Uh, as you said, everything is at your fingertips, um, even if it's even if it's old, obscure stuff. Which, is, which goes to what you're doing for Capricorn. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you've decided that you're going to share this con, you know, CopperCon. And CopperCon has been in a steady decline as far as numbers go because people are wanting to see more media, more interaction, and the young people are, are flocking to more pop culture stuff. So what did you decide to do in order to really shake up the status quo? Well, I think when I'm looking at, it's not just a copper combo. I'm looking at a lot of the uh, smaller cons around here. I'm not going to say any kind of names. So I don't want to make anybody politically mad at me. But uh, the mistakes I've been seeing with some of these smaller cons around here, uh, we've been running them for a long time, and, and you know, when it works good, you know, people get used to it, and they sometimes they don't change with the uh, times. And mm-hmm. what I see with the mistake I saw with uh, a copper con is it's a con that a lot of people grew up around here with and really like. But yeah. we were bringing in one out of town guest for that just being a local author and one. A local author guest seemed to be kind of the uh, status quo uh, year in year out for that. And when you take a look at some of the other cons going around here, um, like uh, just one of the bigger ones that kind of attracts people, even though it's anime, you know, like Sabotan Con, they get seven, eight guests 
every year. You're, and they're bringing about three thousand people. And then you take a look at uh, you take a look at a con like uh, Phoenix Comic Con, and they've got hundreds of guests on there. You know, it's you got to bring in enough guests to make it attractive to people. Do I want to pay? I mean, it's just you know, do you want to pay forty five dollars, fifty dollars for a full event to see? one out-of-town guest, or would you rather pay $50 to see a roughly 100 out-of-town guest where, you know, you might like, you know, 10 to 15 mm-hmm. people, or in this case, if you have seven out-of-town guests, you might like at least two to three of the two to three of the guests there. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, it's, as you and, I, you and I have talked about this before, it is a matter of budget, unfortunately. And, uh, so you have to try to to come up with other ways, like for instance, your 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 fundraiser, your fundraisers, in order to uh, put a little money back into the coffers to be able to get more people in. So let's talk yeah, about okay. your guests. <laughs> okay. I know you're very excited about Mike Grell. Um, so yes, they, give they're give they're us his. Well, give us your 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 uh, idea and how did, how did it come by finding Mike and and talk him into coming to this to you know our our smaller con here. Well, Mike Grell is uh, one of these uh, uh, comic writers and artists who is sometimes a little bit uh, I, I think a little bit underappreciated. Uh, he got you know he did a great uh, three part. Uh, miniseries for comics uh, for Green Arrow called the uh, Longbow Hunters uh, 87 and that completely changed the face of Green Arrow as we know it before he was firing all these trick arrow shots uh, had the uh, stupid Robin Hood hat and everything and now that he did away with that he made him a serious character uh, he still had arrows but they weren't like trick arrows or anything like that and he gave him a hood and they no longer called him Green Arrow. They called him like, you know, they called him the Hood and other stuff inside the comic. And it really was off, at least for comics-wise, it was one of the most significant comics of the past, I'd say, 30 years for changing a character more so than a lot of people point to Frank Miller's uh, Dark Knight Returns. But I would mm-hmm. say Batman was already kind of in that state where Green Arrow wasn't. And hmm. As far as Grell goes, he, he kind of came across my plate by a complete accident. I was uh, looking for a comic writer and artist to bring in, and I got the email from a promoter saying that he just signed up Mike Grell. And the moment I saw that, I just immediately thought of the Arrow TV series coming on the air, and I know they were using his promotional artwork to help promote that TV series. Mm-hmm. So you snagged him. <laughs> well, you can't, you know, he'd never, he's never <laughs> been here to uh, Phoenix. He's yeah. never been here to Phoenix before, which is kind of surprising. He actually has a brother that lives inside the Phoenix area that he visits wow. on a regular basis. Wow. Well, they'll be able to see each other maybe. That'd be good. So that's that's good. And here he is coming in, you know, August of all things. Yeah. Uh, 
Where is he? Where is he from originally? Uh, actually, I don't know where he's uh, where he's from originally. I do know that he lives up inside the, the Washington area. Okay, so uh, cooler kind of temperature, n- yeah. <laughs> yep, near the uh, near the uh, Seattle area. He's mm-hmm. kind of around from that area there. Um, he's very much like his. Uh, if you ever see some of the pictures with him, he's very much a lot like his uh, characters, like Green Arrow and some of the other stuff that he uh, writes for. He you know, he's a, it looks like he's an avid hunter because you always see him out there with like boat, uh, with uh, hunting gear on, like. Uh, huh. Sometimes we'll see him in pictures with. Uh, so he's a lot uh, like his character then. Oh yeah. <laughs> that happens when you start writing characters. It's because you know there's some something inside of you that is that character. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think what we see in Green Arrow is definitely a lot of it too. Huh. And more so if you see some of the other characters he writes. Uh, uh, like John Sable Freelance, that's definitely a direct kind of uh, take of him, and also uh, some of the uh, Shaman Tears is one of his other books where it takes a little bit off of each one of those characters is just an extension of him. Definitely, and, and that's that's how it should be for writing. So we're excited to have Mike for the first time here in Arizona, and what will we expect to see from him at the con? Well, yes, he's going to be doing uh, a couple of different things at the uh, con. Um, number one, he is willing to uh, do uh, sketches for people at the uh, con. Uh, if you want to commission him to do a sketch, uh, just uh, bring a, have like an 11 by 17 paper ready, or if you have a blank comic, you can bring that up, and he'll draw on there for you. Uh, some of the material that you'll see these uh, guys knock out is very... Uh, very, very good, and you know it's also it's just fun watching these artists in in action when you're doing it for you. It's a very fun experience. It's actually uh, kind of quite addicting. <laughs> I've uh, <laughs> done it myself quite a few quite a few times. Uh, the last big one I did was with uh, Neil Adams in town because he was made that first uh, one of the you know you always have that moment when you look at a comic cover or else you look at a book cover and it just Leaves you just kind of like breathless. You just can't say, say anything for a while. And Neil Adams did that for me. But uh, some of the other okay. stuff, uh, some of the other stuff that uh, Grell's going to be doing there. He's going to be doing a uh, John uh, uh, Sable Freelance and Warlord panel together in one. He's going to be doing uh, his main panel. The Arrow panel is going to be on Saturday, and one of the other panels he's going to be doing is. Uh, kind of a going to be taking a look at uh, uh, film and TV because he's had quite a few of his works adapted into film, film and TV. Uh, John Sable Freelance was a turned into a TV series about the mid '80s that lasted for about seven episodes and kind of failed. Where Arrow is now going on to his second season, and they seem to really do a very good sh- job with that TV series. Huh. I have added information on directly from your uh, CopperCon page on under the chat. So for those who are, I know you got, I got lots of people coming in and out of here, um, logging in, logging out. So stay a little wise, guys. Guys, we're talking about a lot of things. 
And uh, if you have anything to say, you know, you can call. So 714-242-5145. You know, I don't have to have Michael by myself. I've already talked to him before. <laughs> so definitely call in. And if you have any, if you, you just don't want to call in because it's just, you know, it is a 714 number. Um, yeah, you can, underneath the chat, which is just below the information about the show, there's a chat area, and you can put your questions or comments in there, and I'll share them with Mike. So, uh, just let you know that I am popping in information as we speak under the chat, so that way people can go click directly to these pages we're talking about. We just talked about the media guests of honor, Mike Grell, and lots of great information on your website on that, on his information. And let's talk about your artist guest of honor, Steve. And you know, I, I don't want to say his last. How do you say his last name? I believe it's Steve uh, Steve Leloa. Okay. I believe yeah. that's how it's pronounced. I could be I could be completely wrong on that, and somebody <laughs> gonna, somebody will correct me. <laughs> like uh, I used to call uh, Jennifer uh, Jennifer Robertson Jennifer Roberson until somebody uh, corrected me there. <laughs> but uh, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. It's uh, Leloa. Layola, Lay Laylola, huh? Okay. And he's an artist of a lot of a lot of really good, well-known comic books. So tell us about that. Well, he's uh, what I, he's, uh, Steve is what I call a kind of a journeyman in the comics. He never really mm-hmm. stayed towards uh, one comic for his really for most of his career. You know, he might be on. Uh, one title for a certain amount of time, like, you know, four or five issues, and it goes to another title and then to another title. Um, he had a couple of exceptions in there. He was the uh, main uh, anchor for Howard the Duck for uh, quite a few issues there, for issue number one till I'm not sure when it ended. I think it was in the 20-something. He also did a, quite a few issues of uh, Spider-Woman when she was made her appearance in the 70s, and from there, you know, he's pretty much touched. You, you, you name a kind of a you name a character with from either universe. He's probably pretty much touched that character at some time. At some time. Mm-hmm. It, and it wasn't until recently, you know, the, recently with uh, with uh, DC Vertigo, uh, that he really got attached to a comic for the longest period I've ever seen him. That ever seen him seen him been attached to. He's been on there for uh, Fables, which is uh, one of their uh, top-selling uh, comics for the Vertigo line, which is, if you haven't read, read Fables, it's, if you've ever seen Once Upon a Time, it's got some very similar oh, okay. to, to Fables, and, and Grim does, kind of Grim does too. I mean, they're pretty uh, pretty good, but he's been an anchor on Fables for Almost 100, uh, I think it's just past 130 issues within the last few months. Wow. So, you know, he's been on there for almost uh, 10 years now. How many years? Almost 10 years. Wow. That's a lot That's a lot of work in just 10 years. I, well, most, you know, when I look at the comics now that I read, I, I'm lucky if a writer stays on there for more than eight eight issues, let alone the artist. The artists are artists. They kind of have them flipping around from issue to you know issue to issue, and you know uh-huh. you'll see artists on there probably about 
four or five issues and they'll switch the team up and so far it's been a pretty much it's been almost the same team the entire time with the exception of the people who do the artwork for the uh, covers on there uh, for Fables. Uh, they have uh, usually the guys who do are not really comic book artists that I've seen. A lot of them are people who do uh, fine artwork and that kind of stuff that you'll see at uh, say uh some of the stuff you'll see at uh, one of the cons that you run, like Leprechaun inside the art room. Mm, yeah. Some of that, some, yeah. Some of that artwork in there is very, very good. I uh, you got a you got a message from a friend of ours, and he said Fables is was a Hugo nominee for several years now. It's one over seventeen. Uh, it's. It's won over 17 uh, Eisner Awards. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it just, just goes to show, you know, the skill of his work. No, it's not just it's not just him. It's that whole... The whole fav- me, fable. That, yeah. Yeah, to me, it's just that whole, whole team mm-hmm. on that group. You've got the Bill Willingham, the writer on there. Um, yes. Steve Lowe, the anchor, um, on there. And you, you got some other guys who are very good. I think it's uh, Lamb Medina is mm. the uh, pencil. I think he's the penciler on there. I, I could be I could be wrong on that, but or yeah, Lamb Medina, Mark Buckingham, all those guys have been working on that title pretty much nonstop since it came out. I mean, it's just a good team. Yeah, it is important to you know get a good team when it comes to any big project like this. It's just not just the artists; it's it's, uh, it's everyone working together in common good of that particular project. Also, MJ said Howard rules. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm a fan of. Uh, I'm definitely a fan of Howard the Duck. I kind of wish he'd do another. Off, off everything, off all the movies I want to see get turned into a, off all the comic book characters I'd love to see get his own movie again. Uh-huh. It would definitely be, it would definitely be Howard the Duck, uh, <laughs> possibly by uh, Seth MacFarlane. Maybe might be a good person for it. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Guy. That would, oh my. <laughs> yeah, that that would be a little more family uh, or uh, adult oriented than. I mean, that so was a mistake they made the last time. He just wasn't adult oriented when the comic was very adult oriented <laughs> back when it came out. So let's talk about your historian guests. And you know, I talked to Trina on the radio show here, and she's a little dynamo. I love her. She's she's passionate about everything she's working on. So, talk well, to us about why you call her historian. Well, Trina, uh, Trina Robbins is, uh, quite honestly, off all my guests I have here this year, mm-hmm. uh, off all the ones I've been talking to behind the scenes and everything, uh, she's by far the most passionate person I, I know. Actually, oh, a couple of my other guests, to Trina. Uh, Steve Laloa is uh, Trina's partner. Uh, they ah. live with each other yeah. inside uh San Francisco, and also um, one of our other guests 
our local artist guest of honor is uh, Liz uh, Safian Barubi, sorry. Uh, and Trina introduced me to her because she really she lived in the area and nobody really knew about it, and she really wanted to be doing panels with her, considering her career. And she she wants to make sure that women cartoonists are get their get the recognition they uh, deserve. Yeah. And she likes likes having people being discovered again. Yeah, she definitely does. Definitely does. And yeah, so she's not to her it's not just the work it or it's not just uh whatever she's doing. She's she's passionate about those particular projects. And so, well, you know, passionate about her she's passionate about her projects. <laughs> she's she's passionate about really just bringing awareness to everybody. Mhm. Not only her work, but everybody's all the uh, women cartoonists around her where for quite a few years it's been a it's a very male dominated industry, at least for the yeah. for the big two, which is D C and Marvel. I mean I mean you get to I mean, it wasn't until maybe a few, you know, maybe the last ten years that you started seeing a lot of uh, started seeing a decent amount of women writers coming in and artists. But still, it's not that many compared to men there. And I can mm-hmm. only name the two of them off uh, the top of my head, and that's going to be like Anne Nocente, uh who's been around for a long time, and uh, Gail Simone, who they made. She was one of the ones where she kind of made a DC to fire from, from uh, Batgirl, and then the sales of Batgirl was went down from being like a top 20 comic to being like barely making the top 100 so they hired her back fast <laughs> on that yes. but you, uh-huh. but she, you listen to their interviews with the, both uh, Nocente and Simone if if either of them are unfamiliar with something from their career the first thing that comes out of their mouth is ask Trina yeah so, yeah um, that just shows the respect yeah. that the very well liked artists of today have for. Yeah, and you know, she wants women in the in the past history to be recognized for their contributions to that particular industry. So that's what's important and, to her. Uh, Oh, I wanted to add one more th- one more thing about uh, Howard the Duck. Uh, someone on MJ also said anything but a reboot of the movie. <laughs> 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 yeah, reboots don't usually work, do they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we you know we have we don't have anybody who has opinions in in our groups, do we? <laughs> <laughs> So Trina is definitely she's a mover and shaker when it comes to you know the past and 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 present of uh, this industry, the comic book industry, and she is pushing some of the work from Liz. So tell us about what Liz works on. Well, Liz, uh, Liz has been kind of a she's just starting to come back into the trying to get back into the industry. Uh, she has yeah a little from what I can see uh, looking up on the. Uh, comic book database and stuff. Uh, 
she's got uh, right around 300 some credits to her uh, name for under uh, DC and some other independent organizations like uh, Continuity Studios, which is uh, Neil Adams' own uh, uh, comic book, independent comic book thing. But she was a, for the most part, she was a colorist, but at the same time, she did do little one-page, one-to-two-page things if they needed to fill her here and there. Mm-hmm. Inside a comic, say like a young romance, so she'll do. She'd throw in that little one page that they would need there for, say, uh, your horoscope or uh, I think it's Beauty by Beauty on a Budget. And it's you know some of the artwork you see on there. It's just it's nothing like I've seen. It's nothing like I've seen in the comic before, and nothing like I've seen in the com- a lot of it's nothing like I've seen in the comics after. I mean, some of the artwork in there is just simply. Fantastic, especially if you take a look at the uh, your horoscope and take a look at the lady in the back of the background. And I was talking with Liz probably about uh, I'd say two to three weeks ago, and I asked her, you know, how she kind of came up with these kind of uh, some of these images and that. And she goes, "Well, what I do when doing artwork is I always go out and buy some of the new magazines and sets that come out, say uh, like Maxim, Vogue." Uh, back then, I was probably making a lot uh, back in the calls and some of those others. She looks for women in positions in there for not necessarily the clothing, but just women in the positions in there that they're doing. And she uses those as references for how she wants to put them inside, uh, feature women inside the uh, comics and that. Mm. But she's also been a uh, colorist for quite a few years. Uh, she was uh, she actually worked with uh, our. Uh, media guest of honor, uh, Mike Grell on uh, uh, Arrow for uh, some issues. Uh, she worked with uh, uh, the legendary uh, Neil Adams. Um, she was uh, his colorist on uh, some of stuff. Um, she was the colorist for uh, like Dick uh, uh, Giordano and uh, I think it's Car- uh, Carmine Infante. You know, some pretty legendary names inside the industry, but unfortunately with unfortunately the problem with Liz uh is back then, unlike today, they didn't put people's names on the uh uh comic covers. Yeah. To, you know, Which is so, amazing. You know, that is a, that is so a shame of, because you know, to get proper credit, you know. So a lot of people, you know, well, a lot of the comic covers were all done by one person, the coloring and everything for the cover. Still, that mm-hmm. inner work on the pages and that for the full stories, you know, it's it's definitely a team. And unfortunately, one person will get the credit. It'd be one person will get the credit for the artwork inside back then, and it's just it's just kind of a shame. Yeah, it is a shame, and that and you know, here you would think with with copyright issues. That they would uh, they would do that, but they didn't. Yeah, and a lot of that stuff didn't really get fixed until about the mid seventies to early eighties, with guys like Neil Adams having to take on the system to get the rights. And a, a lot of these artists, like uh, like uh, Liz Staffing Group, <laughs> she doesn't even know what she. Uh, Sometimes they don't know what their what rights they do have towards the artwork that they did do. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and so those those rules are actually being rewritten, you know, and so now people have you know the artists and have more and writers of the comic books have more rights to, you know, at least get their credit. Well, they get the credit. They most of them have the rights now to. They can use if say if they do artwork on a, a comic or something, they can use those for prints that they can sell. Uh, they're able to keep. A lot of them are able to keep the original artwork that they did for and sell them themselves at a later at a later date. Where before, a lot of times they just threw them out before. And uh-huh. unfortunately, that's why you see groups like Japanese uh, Comic Con. You saw the. They called the Hero Initiative to raise money for uh, former comic book writers and artists and everything who didn't get those kind of rights, who are struggling to make it by today. Make it by today. Mm-hmm. Before we get to the authors, I wanted to, to talk about the comic book industry and what you've got going on at your con, which is something that a smaller con usually doesn't do. And that's the uh, the rights. You know, when somebody like Mike Grell uh, does an original work for someone, uh, before he autographs it, you have to have it certified. So uh, tell us about uh, that certification. Yep. Uh, basically, uh, there's a couple of comic book grading companies that do it out there, but uh, the only trusted comic book, comp- comp- book grading company that does it is... Uh, uh, I think it's called the certif- CGC, I think it stands for Certified Guarantee uh, a Company. And basically they set a standard inside the industry to where they will not grade anything unless they ha- unless a witness that is approved uh, by them or by one of their facilitators, in this case that's what uh, uh, Pop Culture Paradise is, have the witness that witnesses the comic being signed right there and then, and then the comic has to go directly out of your hands into their hands at that moment. It cannot leave the witness's sight. Wow. And then some of the other things... That just goes to show um, how how much comic books have become, you know, uh, a respected art form now. Well, to me, it's the only you know off all these stuff. You know, I've you know I'll admit I've bought signed stuff before, and I've been you know I've came across my own fakes and that kind of stuff. Uh, not really for comic books, but for some other uh, stuff for like sports and that kind of stuff out there that I'm into. But they really have the only really safe. COA on the market that yellow label because they have to witness it, witness it being done right then and there. Right. And if it gets if it gets broken out of that case that it comes back in, you know it loses that yellow. It's no longer good. And same thing if it's if you want an extra signature on that comic and it's already in that thing, you'd have to take that basically that case and have pop culture in this case pop culture paradise open it up. And the comic can't leave their hands. They'd have to t- they'd have to walk through over there to get a sign, and it still stays there. And they resubmit it with the label to keep that old signature to keep the two uh, A on the old signature valid with the new one. Mhm. Yeah, and that's yeah. intense, isn't it? 
it is very cool. That, that does now. How much would the value of that comic book go up because of the certification of their signatures? I, you know, for most people, autographs in there. Uh, there's only a handful of autographs, I, I think, for inside the comic industry that are really, really worth money. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's more or less. It's more or less more for the collector rather than the value, actual value of that comic book. Then uh, it's, it's it's more for it's more for the collector. At the same time, it's also if you have an expensive uh, if say if you're having an expensive comic book autographed, um, it's so it can keep that same so the grade doesn't drop with it being signed. Mm-hmm. And. So it'll keep its value. Say, you know, inside my collection, I've got a uh, X Men number one from 1963, not the 1990s one that they print a million. So it's only worth, you know, good for toilet paper, for what most comic fans say. But uh, where Stan Lee signed that one for, uh, for me, and you know, the only way I was going to have it signed by any Stan Lee was under a system like that where I could get a COA I could trust. Right. That's good. And that, again, is something that, that uh, I haven't seen at the smaller con, so I thought it was important to bring that up. Um, and what the, is, actually, where the, where the money to be made, though, where the stuff that's to be, where it does really well at is actually is the commission artwork that you get done by the artist. That's the stuff that's that's valuable. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's not really, I'd say, the signature per se. It's the commission artwork. And depending on which artist you have sign it or do the artwork on there, that's where you can get some uh, uh, good, you know, that's where the value goes up in, say, a, a comic. I've seen uh, some of the comics artworks, if it's, a really good piece done, depending on the artist. Uh, you know, some of them can be worth uh, upwards of $5,000. Some of them can be in auction, say like uh, Todd McFarlane. One popped up on there for his a few years back. The original art was that one for about 5000 And Wow. Yeah, the other works, uh, you know, there's a little community inside the CGC with the, the like in the forum community where people buy it off of each other and they get their money back for what they pay for the commissions at least. You know, people will get will pay two fifty, three hundred for uh, a lot of the regular artists who is not even that big of names. Hmm. So it could be that, you know, someone who's not known as well now and they, they autograph it and then uh, ten years from now, they'll be actually well known, and suddenly it'd be like one of those stories we hear, where the grandma finds all these comic books that were autographed and sealed in her uh, attic, <laughs> and uh, she's able to sell them and save the house. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, like you hear, I mean, we've got some pretty good artists here. That if you ever seen some of their artwork, uh, I, I do know that inside the dealer's room this year. Uh, if you get if you're able to get an original piece by uh like Andy Carrion, his art he does it at say if he does it at the show, his artwork's his artwork's amazing. I'd say it's on par with uh, the guys I'm seeing at uh, 
doing artwork at Marvel and DC, and you can't really beat uh, some of his stuff. And we got a lot of other good artists in there as well, that local artists in there, uh, April Reyna, Jolene Hauser, uh, Andy Bones going to be in there. Uh, one of the guys that's uh, one of your uh, uh, columnists, uh, Alfred, uh, true, uh, I can't say <laughs> that. True, I think it's true heel. Okay. He's going to be in there. He, he, he's got some pretty amazing work, uh, too, if you ever look yeah, at stuff yeah. that he's done on blank, blank sketches. Yeah, he's, he did some sketches for uh, San Diego Comic-Con that that uh, we wound up putting out on the, on the uh, you know, from the work that he did uh, that he sent me to put on paper. So for those who, who don't know, the WAD is, is actually out for August, so if you guys want to snag a, pop, a copy in your local area, you can uh, see his work that he did on San Diego, some of his sketches that he without the colorization yet, without the coloring. So, um, so yeah, you here you snag, you just jump right into the dealer's room, which is where I was heading next. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you, you you filled out, you filled up the the dealer's room, which is it's just awesome, and you got. Um, a lot of, you know, well-known authors are artists here in the Arizona and Phoenix area. Um, and, of course, comic book stores. So tell us about who we can expect to see in the dealer's room. Well, besides the, uh, besides, like, the guests of honor, I mean, you will see Mike Grell has his own table in there, with the exception of panels and when he needs a break. Um, he'll be in there for most of the time. The same could be said for Steve Loyola. Uh, Trina Robbins and uh, uh, Liz Safian Bruby uh, and uh, uh, Tony Darling is going to be in there most of the time as our the cosplay guest of honor. She'll have her own table in there most most of the time. Uh, besides uh, those people, um, you'll see uh, uh, Jolene Hauser in there. Um, Jeff Pina is going to have a table in there. Uh, unfortunately, at the last minute for us. Uh, he got a offer to go up to uh, Chicago Comic Con, and with that being the, I, I think the third biggest con in the nation, you, you don't turn an offer like that down. Too much money to be made up, <laughs> made up there. But he's still going to have his table there um, with stuff being available. Uh, you'll have Andy Bone in there. Uh, Daryl Dawson books will be in there. Uh, April Reyna uh, will have a. Uh, Arizona Collectors uh, Marketplace is going to be in there. Uh, they've got a lot of fun toys and stuff. Um, you'll see Pop Culture Paradise, uh, who's uh, Marco uh, Rigolato owns that place. He's uh, very involved with the uh, community and stuff and making sure that uh, trying to help everybody, in the, like the local fan base out there, mm-hmm. trying to make sure he really does a good job with that. Especially over on the what I call the east east side area. On the other on the other <laughs> side, we're also going to have uh, Drawn Two Comics, which is uh, owned by uh, Ken Brown, and he's another uh, very fantastic uh, shop owner. I mean, I, I can't speak highly enough of the guy. He's more of a fan first, and mm-hmm. he wants. And, and but he's he's he also a real work. real community leader. You know, oh, he, yeah. he, he thinks he thinks about the stores. He thinks about the stores in his area. So, uh, oh, yeah. the, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's just sadness. 
That's a good thing, dude. Well, that yeah, community. Free comic book day thing where he involved every single shop in the almost every shop that you could think of in that area where you yeah. could go around to comic books for people to explore the whole downtown Glendale area. I yeah. mean, it's a fantastic yeah. move. Yeah, you had some a little bit of complaints on uh, from the people who are actually getting the comic books, but you know, honestly, I you know I think it's more important that you have a sense of community, um, and really most people you know wind up not even looking to see what what is around them. <laughs> so here they've got to go in shops they didn't know were there, and uh, it's an exploration what it's all about. Oh, it's you know it's all fun. I mean, quite honestly, on Free Comic Book Day. I mean, I mean, my hat is off to him because you know he's got a decent sized store and everything. But at the same time, when you got a store full of people, you know, he cut you know for safety issues and stuff. That was a a brilliant move on my on his part, in my opinion. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, you, you you told me that you didn't think that uh, that store can hold that many people because I think you might be right because of the fact that there's not a natural line. Um, so it's kind of hard to, to get people to stand in a line that's you know, some kind of uniformity. Um, but you know, it's it's you're right. You're right, though. It's such a community, and that and that's that's a good thing about these comic book uh, store owners is that they have a sense of community. Uh, Marcos does, you know, the the comic book day, but he's also done other events at his location, and he's got the you know the People, the uh, people coming in every week and you know playing their games, you know playing the games there. They'll, well, he yeah, he's, with his new place, he, uh, well, with his new place where he uh, joined up with Arizona the Collectors Marketplace at their new location on Indian School Road. Uh, they just installed a projector and stuff there, so they're going to be doing like uh, TV days, film days, and stuff for the local crowds there of different shows, say like Star Trek, Doctor Who maybe. Um, uh, they all want to do like a Godzilla Day. And they wanted to really make it a fun place for everybody, to, you know, for the fandom in the area. That's awesome. And uh, definitely go in there and, and badger them about that. <laughs> 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 well, to have some events over there, you know, some, some smaller events to, uh, guess, again, have some fun. Yeah, get some some obscure little movies to be able to, to play there. Yeah. Something that they've been thinking about doing. So, um, CopperCon. Let's talk briefly about it because we're starting to run out of time here. I know here we have so many things to talk about, don't we? We have. We have. I know. I knew that was going to happen because we had so many things to talk about. Um, We've got an author guest of honor, and I don't believe that Ali has been here in Arizona. Uh, he was actually here before, but never as a guest of honor. Ah, that's what I it believe, is. I, I can't remember the exact time. I believe it was somewhere around two, uh, some kind of uh, some kind of big uh, uh, con that happened oh, here. West, I don't know what. Could have been Western like Con. Oh, uh, was the world? Okay. This is a big, big, a big con for authors here for like science fiction, and I, I'm not enough into literary to, to know exactly. Well, could, con. I, could have been a world fantasy. Um, he was here for a world fantasy con, 
play. There's never a guest of honor here before. Well, it's about time then. <laughs> Fancy it's, 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 it's darn due time for him to to be a guest of honor here. I think well, that I mean, he's, he's written uh, so many books. I mean, I just can't I, believe he's never been a guest of honor here before. I know. I know. It's just amazing that, uh, you know, he's been writing for so long. And you know, his, his list is just, I mean, no, honestly, I didn't realize so how many he had until I was getting, getting to doing some research on him for and asked some questions. And I said, oh, my gosh, I never realized the breadth of all his work, you know. He's got over 60 books now. Over 60 books now. Uh, and you don't so really think from, about it. <laughs> Until you, know, you see the list, you know. <laughs> from what I heard from an interview with, that you did with him earlier in the year, uh, mm-hmm. he says he knocks out about two and a half books a year. Yeah. I, well, you like know, a, if, like a factory. I can't, I can't, don't feel anybody <laughs> can do it. Well, that's about how many you should be doing. If you're, if this is your business, then yeah, it's, it's you need to get two two books out um, in a year. Uh, but I think lately he's been doing a little more than that um, because he he's got he's picking up some of his older work and actually uh, you know making it new again. Um, so he's he's added some works that he didn't you know. He, he thought he dropped off, but didn't have anything more inside of him on that. And then, then suddenly, you know, the characters start talking to him again. You have to start. To, you have to start writing again when that happens. No. Well, he's <laughs> just getting ready to do a new. He just announced he's going to be doing a new uh, book for the uh, Saga of, uh, Recluse for the first uh, time in a, uh, quite a few years. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's just it. You know, he, here he dropped it for a while. And this. He didn't have anything else inside of him for that. And uh, here he picked it up again. And uh, he's got a couple of standalone works that, you know, uh, is unusual for uh, for a fantasy writer because, you know, the publishers like it when you have uh, a series yeah. that they can, they can keep it going. Uh, so, you know, yeah. standalone is still awkward for them. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you don't know what to do with them. <laughs> <laughs> so he he's definitely a powerhouse. He's got so many so many works and so many things to talk to him about. And uh he's done so many things in his past. He's he's a very eclectic person. And of course I love that kind of guy. So uh you know, we had a lot to talk about and I at the time that that uh, little bit of time I had with him was like an hour and a half we talked. Um and well, it that wasn't, wasn't enough. enough. I mean, you know, no, that wasn't enough for you. <laughs> I said, "Well, it's a good thing I was going to see him, you know, here in uh, in Phoenix because we have more to talk about." So and that's good because it, it gives us something to talk about when he gets here in a week. So looking forward well, you're to on it. A few panels. You're on a few panels with him, aren't you? Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited because we can we can. Uh, we can talk a little bit of what we talked about for those who didn't hear it and find out more about him, and then we can expand. And really, uh, what you did was you uh, isolated a certain series. So that way we can really zoom in on, because we honestly didn't get to talk much about um, the, specific ish, the specific series and 
what they were about and what he was thinking and, and really dig into the stories because there just wasn't enough time. What I wanted to do was to let people know who he was and why he's important to visit when, when he gets here. Yeah, sometimes we don't think about, we, we love the works, but we don't understand the author. But once we once we meet the author, because I know from experience in 22 years of going to the convention, that once I meet an author I like, I will read everything of theirs, absolutely everything of theirs. But you know, it's, what, it's taking and meeting them for the first time. And if I like that, that person, I'll, I'll read everything of theirs. I can't. Well, I can't read from, fast enough now. <laughs> well, just hearing from what he's what he's uh, said on some of the other, you know, just hearing from what he said where he gets his right, you know, how he writes books, where he gets his ideals from, and that, you know, it just seemed like a really interesting way. Uh, a lot of it's very political because of his background, the political yeah, background exactly. in there. And then exactly. just hearing some of the stuff, some of the stuff he was saying on some of the other authors' works. You know, I, I've never read the book series by uh, D.R. I've only seen the TV show, uh, yeah, uh, Game of uh, Game of Thrones, and mm-hmm. you know, he called them what they call point deaths that make no sense. You just don't know when they're going to happen, and inside the series, and they, they seem kind of pointless, and they'll just happen to anybody out of nowhere that you would never expect to see it happen. Yeah. To. Well. I, I agree with uh, J.R. Martin when it comes to, you know, it, it puts you at the edge of your seat. You don't know when he's going to kill off character, which is never, it's never been done before. Your main characters don't die. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if you throw them off, they're going to want to read it or, or they're going to want to watch it. You know what I'm saying? Um, the the uh, Red Wedding is just, everybody's gone crazy. Talking about this, he's all over the oh, internet. I'm, well, I'm looking at this <laughs> uh, stuff right now. I think the only characters I know that are safe in that <laughs> yeah. series, who are the only characters that are safe in that series, are the ones who are pure of heart, who've got nothing, who've done not committed a sin of any type. Well, it, it, yeah, it's, like it, it's, it's, it's the bad, it's the ones who who are. Uh, you know, there, what goes around comes around. And that's really what J.R. Martin is just like, do you think that's bad? Wait until you see what's going to happen later. So <laughs> it goes around, comes around, and uh, especially in good stories. Yeah. And so you're going to find out, you know, hey. And, you know, that's the funny thing. Uh, I was watching an interview with him. And he said, you know, he was talking to a couple of the actors um, at a, Shindig or something, and and he realized that you know he's, he's that, that those characters were were dead, you know, because he's so far ahead of the series that he already knows who's who's dead and who's not, and uh, and they're out here begging him not to kill his character off because he likes playing that character, and he says, "I'm sorry, but they've already been dead for a while." <laughs> <laughs> And he said, he said, you know, all these actors had to do is actually read the books. <laughs> they really wanted to know when they were going to be axed. But uh, they yeah. don't. <laughs> <laughs> so they're as much surprised as anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it, you have to, it's uh, certain rules that, that were slightly broken there. 
but you know we all love that and we'll be talking about you know uh some of the rules that that uh that LE has uh has broken his own rules on some other things so um we'll talk about those and and again we're narrowing on and and is you know uh bringing in interesting uh thoughts about Pacific series and uh for those who are listening if you want me to ask specific questions uh let me know on Facebook and um if they're relevant enough I will definitely add it to the to the question list and uh you know remember we only have an hour so <laughs> and uh you know I, I'm not going to ask a question that's not really relevant to that specific subject you might have to wait till later in the day for uh for the other series but we'll keep it moving and and uh, we'll get we'll get a lot done so it'll be a lot of fun so we're moderating and uh we'll be talking about historical historical fantasy uh which is a cool subject and uh that'll be fun and uh, somebody's typing and we'll see what they say but so we got that, and of course we had Jennifer. I've known Jennifer again. I've been going to cons for 22 years. I met Jennifer way back then, uh, WesterCon, and she came as uh, one of her costumes was a rodeo queen, all pink. I mean, she had pink and white, and she had that you know the rodeo hat and everything. Apparently, she used to be the rodeo queen here in Phoenix. So uh, she had still had the costume. <laughs> I, I didn't know that about her. I knew that uh, she loves uh, raising uh, uh, corgis. Yes, yes, she's she's uh, definitely into breeding. Uh, she's not just raising them; she breeds them, and uh, they're all licensed. And uh, so she's very much into into that. She's been uh, she used to live in Flagstaff, and she now lives in Tucson. So uh, I think they see her a little more often down in the Tucson cons. And she came um, for Lep 38 because I invited her. Uh, and she, she came in for one day. That's all she time she could give us at the time. And, uh, you know, we'd love to see our local um, authors who who have, you know, series. And, of course, I, I, I read everything of her, you know, her sword dancers and her... Uh, Chase Uli books, all of them. I have, I have them all so autographed. So uh, it's like I had to go back and start re- reminding myself what the stories were about again. <laughs> it's been so long. I got them sitting there. <laughs> Might as well read them again. So uh, and of course she's got she got a new series that she's uh, her caravan series. Um, but we were not going to be talking about the caravan series because that's uh, that's a different subject you have separated from one of the other panels, so uh, we won't be talking yeah. too much about that yet. Yeah, that's uh, one with, uh, the, uh, I definitely think uh, she, most of her series panels, uh, she's going to be doing those with uh, the uh, Cassius, uh president, uh, Kevin, uh, I can't say that, McLaughlin. Uh, McGraw- yeah, he's the Cassius. Yeah, I saw that, so he'll be moderating that. And that's good because uh, uh, apparently he's a, a fan of hers, and that's awesome. He's been around. He's been around the cons, you know, as long as I have. So, you know. Well, I, I was struggling. Try. I was struggling to find a local author guest who. I was looking for one who hadn't been up here in a while. Um, 
a couple of the people I had in mind, uh, I, you know, they just were not available during that uh, time. And I, I'm, since I'm not from this area, I don't know, you know, outside of, say, uh, like T.L. Smith, Jeannie uh, uh, Koch, uh, James Owen, and yourself, and uh, Janie Lee uh, Summer. I'm not very familiar mm-hmm. with yeah. with the authors in this area. I needed help, and Kevin said she had a new uh, book coming out, and yeah, she's a really well-respected author in the area that I should consider. Consider her. he put me on her uh, path, you know, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, some, yeah, you know, I would have suggested know. her too. Um, yeah, some of our authors, uh, Weston is of course uh, not available. He's uh, in Afghanistan right now, and uh, so we have to think about him. But uh, yeah, a lot of our authors, well, you know, they're getting busy. They're getting busy, and that's know, good. And the one author I'd like to get, uh, she's kind of a social uh, reckless where she doesn't want to do any conventions or anything, wow. a local author. You know, Stephanie Meyer. Yeah, um, you know. yeah, she, she's, I've, I've uh, tried that path before. Uh, she, again, you got to understand, she has her own convention. So, you know, she's all got her own Twilight convention, so she doesn't do anything outside of that. She doesn't need to. Well, she's like, uh, you know, like the other uh, author uh, coming up, uh, like uh, Cassandra Clare. I think she's going to be a very hard person to get after uh, this movie comes out here in a few weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Mortal uh, Instruments, uh, City of Bones, um I just think that she's going to be an extremely tough person to get. Yeah, it looks like that. an interesting. It looks like an interesting story. I haven't read it yet. Um, is that I, I was reading all of uh, Harry Potter books when my son was younger, and he was getting into these stories, and I saw nine-year-olds um, taking out a goblet of fire. Uh, at the library, and I said, "Oh my gosh, it's a huge book." Um, how old are you? <laughs> so it's like I wanted to find out what it was that was that made these kids, you know, that young, uh, pick up these books that were were huge. I mean, I would even find it daunting, you know. Uh, so I have somebody who asked a question. Um, Jim asks, "Will Coppercon have all the usual features?" Con suite, art room, video room, dealer's room, etc. Uh, it's going to have it's going to have a, it's going to have the biggest dealer's room that uh, I think a copper con's ever had. Uh, we've got about 29 tables in in there, full of uh, regular dealers, uh, artists, um, there's some other stuff in there. Also, a charity group in there, Arizona Tardis. Um, they're going to have a Dalek in there and possibly some other fun uh, functional stuff to have fun with in there. Um, yeah, you have photo ops. Uh, photo ops, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, not really. If they wanted, if people want to take their photo with them, I'm sure they're more than willing to uh, do that Do that with you. Uh, uh, some of the gaming, we're going a little different with uh, g- gaming this year. Where we'll have some gaming in there, but it, a lot of the game is going to be handled by uh, Wild Dilly, who's going to be doing uh, Land of the Nerds. It's something kind of revolutionary. Uh, it's not your typical like board gaming, 
mm-hmm. uh, stuff. Uh, he's going to be having, you know, some contest in there like mini robot wars. Um, people can build robots and fight fight against each other with them. Uh, some kind of con uh, like makeup contests, uh, costume contests, and some other fun stuff that just seems really fun mm-hmm. for interactive stuff. Uh, yeah, we talked. Really, we talked. We talked to Lyle on Monday. So for yeah. those who wanted wanted to listen to that particular uh, episode, definitely do so. Uh, we talked about the um, yeah, the different uh, games he's going to be having there, and of course the video work that he's going to be doing there. So that definitely sounds really cool. He's got some interesting ideas. And you know, as far as some of the usual stuff that goes on, uh, Capricorn really hasn't had what I call a uh, art room. Uh, for a long time. However, I think with the number of artists that we're going to have inside the dealer's room this year, I'd say about half the dealer's tables in there are going to be, you know, not just the guest of honor, uh, they're also going to be the local artists. I mean, they're going to have a lot to look through and choose from. There you go. At affordable, a lot of them have prints of prints. Uh, there that you can get at affordable prices, uh, and a lot of them, not not all of them. Uh, you know, it depends on who the artist is. A lot of them are willing to do commissions right there on the spot for you for uh, for usually a decent price. De- decent price if they're a lo- if they're a local artist. It just depends on the quality. Uh, some some of them are more expensive than the others. It really depends on what kind of materials they are using and that that kind of stuff. And even for uh, say a guy like uh, Mike Grell, I, you know, I can say this: I do know that I do know his rates. I can't really say him over, you know, over the air, but I do know as what his what his rates are going to be. And mm-hmm. I've not heard of a what well, I, I consider Mike Grell a like a legend as far as our artwork goes. I've not I've not heard seen a guy on his level have his artwork priced at at that affordable of a price for a commission. Good. Well, you know, you've got a lot of good things going on. You've got a huge dealer's room, and again, this is enough for a lot of people to be able to, you know, they got to get through there. It's going to take a little while. They need to meet these people and, and uh, see a lot of the very, you know, uh, and, of course, some of the bigger bigger comic book stores are definitely going to be there. Um, and, of course, we got to, you know, you guys got to, a lot to look to, lot a lot of good programming going on with some uh, very interesting people to meet, and so you you know, you're going to be stuck in your con suite for sure. <laughs> you want to definitely well, we, get out there. Definitely, the uh, there will be uh, there will be a con suite there this year. Uh, uh, some of the hours are, are are cut back a little bit on the con suite because of some of the events. The hotel is going to be offering food there for people that they can purchase. At uh, basically a, right. a, a luncheon on uh, on Saturday, uh, I don't know exactly what they're going to have in there. And then that Friday, we actually have a one of our special events is the uh, VIP guest dinner, in which yes. yeah. all of our guests of honors are going to be there. And then the uh, national uh, comedy uh, tour um, of our area for uh, Tempe is going to be there, and they're going to put it on a Basically, what they're going to do is they're going to play uh, a Doctor Who serial called A Pirate Planet, written by uh, 
believe it or not, Douglas Adams. By who? And they're going to have Douglas Adams, you know, to try oh, to back okay. the galaxy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that it, should be fun. Very funny, it's a very funny episode. Um, uh, some of the more memorable moments in it, it was, uh, there's a captain on there, like the main villain on there had this uh, uh, parrot, <laughs> a lot like Kane in the middle, parrot that, like, and Kane and I kind of went at it in there. There's some very funny moments in there. And basically they're going to turn off the all the sound for it, and their performers are going to uh, reenact all the parts, all the voices in there, and or reenact their own li- insert their own lines into there, uh, do all their own music for it and stuff. And it's quite it's quite hilarious watching this uh, group do that. I mean, I've seen it myself at when I was at Phoenix Comic Con when they did it for um, Star Trek: The Animated Series. They took what what I considered one of the a terrible, unwatchable episode and made it fun to watch. <laughs> uh, we have one question. How many concurrent tracks are of programming will there be? I did add the panel information to that way they can go to each each day. Uh, just click on there and, and you'll find some information. But on concurrent uh, tracks, what have we got going on? It, it depends. It depends on what events going on and what time of the day is, is going on. Um, say, for instance, during the big guest dinner, uh, there's not going to be too much going up against that particular thing itself. Oh, sure. But but other than that, there's usually, for the most part, uh, besides, uh, for the most part, about two to, at least two tracks going on simultaneously all the time. And sometimes there'll be uh, three three tracks of three tracks of programming, just depending on the time of day and which which day it is. The busier days are going to definitely have three three tracks. You know, I on. just re- realized that Hal's going to shoot me if I don't say something about his uh, film festival there. Coppercom Film Festival is going to be thir- uh, Thursday night, and they'll be open to the public. And uh, I'm going to include the film festival information. You got some really great little films here. Again, these are independent films. Sorry, Mike, I just want to make sure I get this in because we're running out of time here. I go like he's gonna shoot me if I don't do that. <laughs> I should throw in there that the uh, also uh uh Barry Bart at the movies that's gonna be mm-hmm. happening in that same room uh is also a free event uh, on that Thursday night as well and they show a lot of previews for upcoming movies, uh, they got uh, fabulous prizes that they give away in there. Yeah, that's, Thursday, that's yeah. our good good friend Len Berger. He's still in charge of that. So uh, we got some really great, you know, uh, two things going on. Uh, they're definitely media film oriented on Thursday nights. Be exciting! I know I want to be there. I I missed most of the, I missed most of the film films I had at Leprechaun because I was too busy. <laughs> So I want to go in and see this stuff because I didn't get a chance to do that. <laughs> I, I want to be in there myself. Uh, hopefully I'll be for the film. I'll, I'll probably be missing part of the Barry Bards thing because it'll be the opening day for the dealer's room and I'll be too myself. I know, I know. And <laughs> I and it's got, to, it's got to be busy, I know. So, uh, you know, it, when you're running your own con, that happens. You you get so busy, and it's like I'm looking at my watch. Well, I really got to go over there and at least say something because I'm supposed to give stuff away, you know. <laughs> yeah. 
so he, he he's got to run over there and do a few minutes, and then you got to run back, and then yeah, uh, yeah, a lot of running around you're gonna have to do this weekend. But it's uh, <laughs> you have to get your gym shorts on. <laughs> so. One, I should throw out one other special event before I forget about it, too. And okay. it just got added to this week. Uh, uh, DJ uh, Fusion is going to be doing the uh, uh, Rockin' uh, uh, Coppercom party at Saturday. It starts at uh, eight, uh, 8 o'clock, and it's going to have a bunch of different kind of uh, fun things going on in there. We're going to be having that dancing in there with uh, all different types of, of musics. Um, we, we encourage people to come in the costume in that because there's going to be two different uh, contests going on. Uh, you're going to have a men in tights contest going on. And basically all you got to do is show up in costume to be able to, to be able to take part in that. And then we're also going to have a women in Lolita, Lolita contest going on. It's the same thing. Just show, up, just show up inside of any kind of costume you want to. And they're going to be having, you know, they're going to, crown a winner for the men in tights and they're going to crown a winner for the women in Lolita and the winner of those two uh, the winner of those events one will be the king of Coppercon and the other will be the queen of Coppercon this year that's fun Uh, just also uh, you have autographs going on uh, all weekend in the dealer's room of the authors as well as the artists so we definitely need Uh, to yell that one out well, definitely the the authors the the main two authors uh, are going to be inside the uh, the main two authors are going to have all their uh, Ellie Massa Jr. and Jennifer Robertson both of theirs are going to be inside the dealers room when they have those uh, they actually got a small section a small room just the side of the uh, dealers room where the other authors are going to have their time because the dealers room. Uh, you know, after that ad we ran in the Comic Con uh, that you saw, um, we sold out the dealers room faster than really within that week after that ad. I couldn't, you couldn't even plan. <laughs> uh, we'd love to hear that. <laughs> that is, it's it's great to have a lot of cool stuff, and again, you know, you guys got a lot of things to see, and so you know, go on the uh, again the. Panel page because all the different days are there. You click on each day and you can find out. Uh, I know I always love you know just before the con to find out what I want to do and plan it out. So you know, guess what you guys should be doing too. You know, plan it out and to find out. But definitely go on the website and find out this information. Um, with that, I'm going to have to say good night. <laughs> we've we've oh, been we talking. Oh, I was going to say we forgot to mention Tony Darling. I think is our cosplay oh, guest of honor. Well, we didn't mention her. She's a, she's a guest. Well, you did mention she's there all weekend, and she's at a table. But, yeah, t- Tony's coming in from, uh, and, of course, we had an interview with her uh, a couple weeks ago. And uh, wound up being one of the, she broke one of my records, which was having the most live listeners of any of my shows. So, thank you, Tony. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we had a lot of young men who called in and had to talk to her, you know. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was a very interesting conversation. We talked, uh, we got to talk about cosplaying and and about her career and about um, young cosplay in general and uh, and all the different players and and uh, why they do what they do and have fun doing it. And so we're definitely looking forward to seeing her again. 
Oh, I think it's just—I think it's just great that we're having her finally having a, a, a cost, basically having costuming, uh, costuming guests of honor at our smaller cons now. Because I mean, really, I mean they're—they're they're getting more likes than the authors are getting on their stuff. They're getting more likes than the a lot of the comic artists are getting on there. I mean, Tony Darling, for instance, well, has they're they're bringing these characters alive. So you know that's definitely what makes a fan a fan. You know. Uh, it's like a dream come true when you see these characters come to life. You know? Tony Darling's got 18,000 Facebook likes on her thing right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She, she, she went to, again, she she had the most uh, live listeners I've had, so that's cool. Although you've gotten quite a few tonight, so I, I'd be curious. I won't know for another 24 hours, but um, you've had people coming in and out here, so we definitely had enough people listening. Say hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. <laughs> we're going to see them all next weekend, and you guys better all be there because, you know, we, we told you everything's going on, and you need you need to be there. So with that, I'm going to say goodnight because I, I, I actually have to go do one other thing, so I'm not even done for tonight. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, get the cl- I have class in the morning, so I don't want to sleep. <laughs> don't there you go. So <laughs> You're really dead. Yeah, I, I'm glad that I made it later. So, you know, honestly, we had, and, and Jim says thank you, so... Thank you, Jim, for listening, and thanks, everyone, uh, MJ, for listening, and, and all these other people with their guest numbers, and we will see everyone next weekend. Well, hopefully we'll see them all tomorrow. Yeah, we're going to see you all. You guys got to come out tomorrow, and we'll have a party, you know? We'll popcorn, and, and, and we'll have some fun. No, you know, that's, what, that's, what being a, that's what being a fan is all about. And we do have a special membership rate uh, tomorrow. If you do buy a ticket, we do knock off... Uh, if you don't have a membership and you buy a ticket at the theaters tomorrow, we do knock off uh, at the theater. We are knocking off five dollars off a membership. Yes. Oh, wow. That's even better. So you guys get a good deal for the for the movie, and you get to knock off five dollars for the membership. So, a uh, very good reason to get out there. Uh, that's uh, Pollock Theater, and that is in Tempe. And so, you know, definitely take a look at the website because all that information is there. And if you get your tickets tonight. Get your tickets tonight, or you can get your ticket tomorrow. You know, go ahead and log in and get that money in there, or wait until tomorrow and then get your discount, and then and then we'll all have fun. So yep. we'll see everybody out tomorrow night. I'll see you there tomorrow night, along with uh, Hal's going to be there tomorrow too. So I'll see you out there tomorrow. Yeah, Patty. I always have, I always enjoy Hal, so it'll be fun. I'll see you guys tomorrow night. Yep. See you tomorrow. That was Mike Bett, and we're so happy to have him on board. And, uh, well, we want you a lot of stuff. So you guys got to get out tomorrow night uh, to the movies because it's a lot of fun. And, again, 2001 Space Odyssey is not something you see on the big screen very often, and I know I've never seen it on the big screen. So uh, it'd be interesting to see. And uh, so, you know, definitely get there and, and have some fun. Again, that's what being a fan's all about, guys. So, uh, you know, get out there, have fun. Go to the movie, eat some popcorn, and uh, and then of course go do CopperCon because you know we need to support our own local cons. Um, we certainly don't want to see uh, them being phased out, and I know I don't because I've been going to CopperCon for 22 years. So with that, I'm going to say good night to everyone and see you guys tomorrow night. This is K Wad Radio, and this is Patty Holtran signing out for the night.